Welcome back, fight fans, to episode number 174 of The Neutral Corner. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. The new issue of Boxing Monthly is out, and I swear we have a curse with our cover. On the cover this month, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder, and an article from Ron Borges about why and how the big fights are not being made. And... Um, some of what he, he talked about in that article is similar to a piece I recently did specifically on the welterweight division, a piece I did for Ring Magazine, why Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence probably won't fight each other for a while. He touched on it in this piece, but of course, the cornerstone of the piece, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, as soon as this issue drops, holy shit, this fight, Joshua Wilder, blown up. Blown to bits by the biggest upset in the last decade, at least. Uh, and man, this has happened several times on the cover of Boxing Monthly. We've put fighters or fights, we've previewed fights on the cover, and the fights have just blown up. So uh, we have a little curse going right now at Boxing Monthly. Joel O in with the super chat. Thank you so much, brother. He also comments, hit the like button, fellas. I agree. Hit the like button. Gentlemen and ladies, I know it's mostly gentlemen, but there are some ladies on here, so make sure you hit the like button. Guys, again, this is episode number 174 of TNC for the week of June 8th. Uh, Before I get into news and notes, not a whole lot in news and notes, but a lot to talk about, right? I want to give some quick, uh, just some preliminary stuff here. Of course, we got Super Chat here on MLB on my channel right now. So anytime you guys want to contribute here on any live video that I do, you can contribute on the spot through Super Chat. If you prefer to do Patreon, we've got Patreon as well. Every single dime that you guys contribute here on the channel, we put right back into the channel. It makes it bigger, badder, better. So basically, you're becoming a part of the team every time that you chip in. We appreciate it, guys. Uh, Also, we are going to have a Gennady Golovkin, Steve Rolls fight party this Saturday night. I'm going to be doing a live video commentary, so make sure you guys tune in. Let me know also if you'd rather me just do the main event, which I don't think is going to last the distance, or if you'd rather me get on there and do a few of the undercard fights. I'm going to preview that card later on this episode some really interesting prospects on that card, okay? So uh, some of the Eastern European talent that 360 promotions, uh, Triple G promotions has signed, that is, they're going to be ready to contend for titles in the next couple years. Some of these guys maybe even by next year. So uh, definitely, yeah, I see some of you guys are saying, do the Madrinov bout. Okay, so I'll probably start the broadcast a little early to do cover some of those undercard fights, all right? So just remember that, okay? This Saturday, I'll tweet about it. I'll post about it. Make sure you guys check that out and spread the word. That's going to be fun as hell. My friend in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, he is going to be having a, a kind of a birthday party because his birthday is coming up in a couple of weeks. My birthday is next Thursday. My cousin's birthday is this Sunday. Both me and my cousin are turning 40 within the next week. So we're going to kind of be having this celebration party. They live there in Charlotte. I'm going to be driving up there from here in Atlanta to go have that party. During that party, we're going to be watching fights and everything else. I think there's UFC that night as well. They're going to be showing UFC and boxing. I will be doing live commentary on the boxing. So guys, I just want to make sure you knew 
that we were doing that this Saturday. I'd love for you guys to, to uh, watch that, those fights along with me. And we'll talk and we'll watch those prospects. And we'll see how Gennady Golovkin looks off this layoff. The new look with trainer Jonathan Banks. It's going to be fun as hell. And then next week, next week, late next week and into the weekend, I will be in Detroit. So any of you guys in the Detroit area who want to maybe do a meetup or something, my birthday is next Thursday, June 13th. I'll be downtown hanging out, having some drinks. Maybe we could do a meetup on my birthday. Hey, you only turn 40 once, right? So I got to go back to my homeland to celebrate my 40th birthday. So that's where I'll be. All right, guys, let's get into news and notes real quick. Again, not a whole lot to cover. But this Sunday, June 9th, uh, in Canastota, New York, the 30th annual International Boxing Hall of Fame induction. So that will be fun. Plue, in with the super chat. Quick question. First, uh, thank you so much for the super chat. And the question he has, think Heyman will allow a rematch. So I assume that you're talking about Ruiz and Joshua. Look, I'll talk more about that later. I'll get more into the details, the nitty-gritty later. As far as I understand it, it's contractually set. So legally, I don't see how Ruiz can get out of it unless he wants to give up all those titles. And I don't think he wants to do that. So pretty damn sure, like 99% sure, we're going to get Joshua Ruiz next, regardless of what Uncle Al wants. Now, Uncle Al may want to try to pull some strings to get the fight in the United States, as opposed to London, which is where Eddie Hearn says it's going to be. I'll talk more about that later in the episode. That we could see. But I'm 99% certain, guys, we're going to get Ruiz Joshua 2 later this fall. And guess what? It's, they're loving it at DAZN. DAZN was the biggest winner this weekend. I'll talk more about that in a little bit too. Yeah, you guys are saying have the fight in Los Angeles. I totally agree. You know, in fairness, Ruiz does have the titles. And Uncle Al represents him. If they could get that fight to Los Angeles, I think it's huge. Obviously, they'd sell out a venue like Staples Center or something like that. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that that football stadium that they're going to build for the Los Angeles Rams and the Los Angeles Chargers of the NFL, it's not completed yet. If that was completed, ooh, Barcarada says Rose Bowl. Now, that's a hell of an idea, my friend. Now, if Uncle Al can pull something like that, if he can get it here in the U.S. of A, in the Los Angeles area at the Rose Bowl, holy shit. Now we're talking really, really big global type of event. That would be special. I still think it's probably going to London, all right, because it's in the contract, but we shall see. I'll talk more about that later. Okay, so anyway, guys, this Sunday, June 9th, Canastota, New York, International Boxing Hall of Fame inductions. A few of you guys have asked me if I've ever been to the Hall of Fame ceremonies up there. I have not, but now that I'm on the East Coast, that is a 90-minute flight, basically, for me to get up there. Definitely on the bucket list. If I don't get up there next year, it will be within the next few years. Absolutely want to do that. Okay, also, uh, fights coming together. Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz. We know that rematch is done. September, it's likely going to pay-per-view. I don't think it belongs there, but that's probably where it's going. Although, with AJ losing... Maybe that blows it up a little bit because they were trying to, you know, the Wilder side was trying to earn more money so they had more negotiating power with the AJ side. But now that he's lost, I don't know. Maybe somehow that takes Wilder Ortiz 2 off of pay-per-view. I think it's unlikely. I think it's going 
to pay-per-view. But anyway, that's done for September. And then, of course, if Wilder is successful, he's agreed in principle to do the rematch with Tyson Fury early next year. Now, I'm still hearing that, um, that uh, Adam Kovnaki might fall into the mix in between all that. We shall see. Uh, I see a few of you guys talking about the uh, Tony Harrison and Jermel Charlo rematch. I was just about to get to that, but since I see you guys commenting, I'll go ahead and note. Apparently, Tony Harrison's injured, so that fight is off. The card will move forward, but that fight, I do believe, has been postponed because Tony Harrison is injured. I don't know what to think about it. I don't know if I buy it. I know Tony Harrison wasn't happy about that rematch not being in Detroit. Read into that what you will. But uh, apparently he's injured, and they're going to push that that fight down uh, the road a little bit, and it's off this card. Maybe this was Harrison figuring out a way to get this fight, that rematch, in Detroit where it belongs. We shall see. But, you know, I'm interested in that fight. I'd love to see it in Detroit. I think that's where it belongs, and that's where it should be. <laughs> JM Superstar uh, chimes in with the Joe Sixpack comment. Guys, I don't mean anything disrespectful by the Joe Sixpack comment, which I've been using the last few weeks. I heard it on a podcast somewhere. I had to look it up. It just basically means the average American, the average guy who watches sports, like a casual fan. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was a hilarious comment. (laughs) Tommy Boseo says Montero six-pack. That's a different kind of six-pack, my friend. Um, (laughs) But uh, but I just think it's a hilarious term. Anyway, all right, back to news and notes. I'm, I'm getting scatterbrained here. So Wilder Ortiz and then Fury, if it all works out. Joe Joyce versus Bryant Jennings, July 13th, 02 Arena in London. That is a great step-up fight for Joe Joyce, who moves like a freaking statue. But if he could take uh, some of the experience and power, Jennings does have good, decent power, he might be able to pull this fight out. And if he can, if he can win, that's a big statement from him. If Jennings has anything left, anything left, he should beat Joe Joyce. So I'm interested in that matchup, man. That is a great, great step-up fight for Joe Joyce. His people must believe in him. Also, Jesse Hart, Sullivan Barrera has been added to the Tyson Fury, uh, Schwartz card, Tom Schwartz card. I love that fight. Jesse Hart, Sullivan Barrera. That is a fantastic freaking matchup. Guys, make sure you check that out. That just made that Fury-Schwartz card much better. Because holy shit, that's not a very good main event. Although, hey, we've seen crazier things in the heavyweight division lately, right? We've seen upsets happen, but uh, I do not put Tom Schwartz anywhere on the level of Andy Ruiz. May the Schwartz be with you. Anyway, Jesse Hart, Sullivan Barrera, very solid co-feature. All right, you guys are in here on the chat. I see there's comments about meatballs, about Luis Ortiz being 58 years old, Andy Ruiz more like a beer keg instead of a six-pack from Tommy Boseo. You guys are getting it going in the chat already. I love it. Uh, Let's see. Maybe a few questions. Looks like you guys are pretty much just chatting amongst yourself. Uh, Jack Alter says, Usyk versus Ruiz, LOL. Look, we haven't seen Usyk at heavyweight yet. So let's see how he looks at heavyweight first. But based on everything we know about those two fighters, I think Usyk would box circles around uh, Ruiz. I think Ruiz would have moments. But particularly later in that fight, I'd like Usyk to pull away. I just think he has, um, he just has too much skill, man. Joel is asking me about Super Chat. He said he heard YouTube take 70% of the money donated. 
Wow. Okay. Well, I will look into that, my friend. Uh, I will definitely look into the super chat. I haven't even, I set it up here on the channel, but I haven't uh, figured out uh, how they pay me and all that stuff works yet. I have everything set up through Google. I'm a partner with Google, of course. But yeah, the super chat thing, I will check into that because if YouTube has taken any more than 20% of the money, I'm going to turn super chat off because that's bullshit. I will find out for you. Tommy Boseo asks, am I going to get drunk at the Glove Can Rolls fight party? I'm going to have a few beverages, my friend, because again, we will be celebrating multiple birthdays. I'll be with my boys having some uh, bro time after working on my house for months nonstop. I need a break. And it will be just before I go up to Detroit uh, to officially celebrate my 40th birthday with my friends and family up there. So yeah, I'm going to be having a few cocktails. You guys might hear me uh, slur my speech a little more than normal Saturday night. It's going to be fun. Uh, Rockstar1996 asks, is it wise for Joshua to go straight into the rematch or would it be better letting it slip and rebuild as a challenger? You know what? I like him going right into the rematch. There are just some fundamental mistakes he made in this fight that cost him the fight. Uh, if you look at the first two rounds, he didn't look great, but he won them. And uh, it just fell apart once he hurt Ruiz. You know, the first two and a half rounds are going according to script. And I'll get more into that later on. But yeah, I think he needs to go right into the rematch. But he does need to make some serious changes. You know, he needs to do some serious soul searching. You guys got to remember, AJ is probably a twice a year fighter. So this rematch... It ain't happening till at least, what, September, October, maybe even November. So he's got time to, to mentally and emotionally get himself together, but more importantly, to physically game plan and prepare. It's going to be a tough negotiation because I know Ruiz's side is going to want to bring it here to the USA. Hearn and, and their side, they have an airtight contract saying, let's go to London. It's going to be up to AJ and Hearn being willing to work with Uncle Al and PBC and forgive that one part of the contract to come over here to America. Maybe that means Uncle Al and their side pay a little money, more money out, a bigger split out to the AJ side. We'll just have to see. Uh, Ozzie asked, Mike, who would you pick as AJ's new trainer? You know, that's a good question, man. I, I don't know right now. I just, it, I've been thinking about that really since the damn knockout Saturday night. And I just, I wonder if, it's, it's going to sound crazy. I just wonder if AJ needs to pick up the phone and call Vladimir Klitschko and say, hey man, can you just come into my camp and work as an advisor? Can you come into camp here and, and just show me some things, you know, some things that Emmanuel Stewart showed you? Same thing with Lennox Lewis. I know they don't have a good relationship. It's up to AJ to mend that. Uh, and you can, you know what I'm saying? But he needs to, that's what I would do if I were him, is pick up the phone and call those guys who have been in a situation like this. Uh, Jack Alter asked about Callum Smith versus Triple G. Let's see how Triple G looks at 164 before we start talking about him fighting Callum Smith. By the way, same thing goes for Canelo. Uh, Callum Smith, I'll talk about him in the, in the fight review, had a great performance last weekend, right? Um, definitely is the top guy at 168. So uh, at some point, either Canelo or Golovkin will be fighting him, or maybe both of them will end up fighting him. But of course, we're going to see them fight each other first. All right, uh, quick fight review, and then we'll get back to some questions, guys. Um, okay, so Friday, I talked about this fight last week in Thailand, Shia Phone Moonsri. 
or I can't remember. He's got like five different aliases. Anyway, he's 53-0 now, so he's still undefeated. He defended his WBC minimum weight title for the 500th time, has a god-awful resume, has fought absolutely nobody, and the WBC allows this to continue. It's an absolute joke, and it kind of, I love talking about him, though, and the TBE thing and trolling and having fun with this guy because it just all those people that talk about Floyd Mayweather being the best ever or Joe Calzaghe being the best ever or Andre Ward or whoever else Sven Oct being the best ever because they never lost those theories are stupid they're just stupid and this guy Shayafan Moonsri shows you why O's don't mean dick in boxing Saturday, June 1st in Cardiff, Wales. I told you guys about that Lee Eden card picked up by ESPN+. Plus. In the main event, Jay Harris, flyweight out of Wales, improved to 16-0 with a unanimous decision over Spanish fighter Angel Moreno, who came in a little heavy at the weigh-in, looked a little sluggish in the fight, but hung tough, lasted the distance. Uh, Harris wins the vacant European flyweight title. I guess he's a prospect out of the UK we could keep an eye on. I'm not over the moon excited, but we'll keep an eye on him. In Soboba Casino, San Jacinto, California, TGB Promotions, PBC on FS1. I told you guys about this card. There was like 15 fights. They loaded it. They stacked it with a bunch of prospects. In the main event, Willie Monroe Jr. scores a unanimous decision win over Hugo Centeno Jr. Uh, Hugo has now lost three of his last six. However, his three losses, Hugo Centeno Jr., are to Willie Monroe, Sulecki, and Charlo. Pretty decent fighters, right? So that, that tells me that Centeno really only loses when he steps up. And that also tells me that Willie Monroe Jr., remember when Gennady Golovkin beat him and everyone said, oh, Willie Monroe Jr.'s trash, he's a journeyman, it, as a, a way to bash Golovkin by beating him. Willie Monroe Jr. has kind of proved himself to be a pretty good fighter. He's not elite, he's just under elite. He only loses, generally speaking, when he steps up. I think he lost to Billy Joe Saunders, to Golovkin. I'm trying to think. He's lost maybe to somebody else earlier on in his career, but he was still a prospect. Pretty good fighter. And again, Gennady Golovkin mopped the floor with this guy. It tells you just how good Golovkin was in his prime. Also on this card, Ivan Redcash scored a KO6 over Devin Alexander, who has now lost five of his last eight. Lost five of his last eight. And a Filipino featherweight prospect, Jack Tapora, a southpaw, improved to 23-0 with a shutout win, basically, in a 10-rounder. And then the big card in New York, here in the U.S. of A, where, let's start with the undercard before we get to the main event. Uh, Joshua Boazzi, a Ghanaian-born, London-based light heavyweight prospect, continues to look good. Improved to 11-0 with nine knockouts, TKO4 over Marco Antonio Parabon, who is an experienced opponent. And Boazzi owned him and got him out of there. Very impressive win. This is a guy to keep an eye on. A prospect on the card that didn't do so well, Josh Kelly. Now 9-0-1 with a draw against Ray Robinson out of Philly, who I told you guys was a damn good fighter and was going to give Kelly a push. Uh, For Robinson... He had a draw with Igadigis Kavaliauskas back in March. And now he just went 10 rounds with Josh Kelly. Some people out there feel that he won six rounds in this fight, deserved a close points win. But this ends up being a draw. I myself was okay with the draw. But for Josh Kelly to draw with Ray Robinson in his 10th pro fight, I don't necessarily think that means he's 
been exposed or he's not someone to keep an eye on, it means he's still a prospect and has work to do. Guys, there's different levels of prospects, right? Some prospects just smash the boxing scene. Guys like Tiafimo Lopez, guys like Devin Haney, they have just, they fly right into uh, contention pretty fast, right? But most prospects have to build their way up and they have a couple of close calls. And sometimes you'll have a draw or maybe a loss earlier in their career that they learn from, they improve from, and they get better. And down the line, when they are fighting for titles, that experience that they learned coming up helps them in those big, big fights. So uh, for Josh Kelly, yes, he's not at the level in terms of being a prospect that somebody like Devin Haney is or some of these, even uh, Joshua Boazzi, I'd, I'd put him above Josh Kelly right now. But Josh Kelly... Still a prospect to keep an eye on. It's just he fought a very tough, underrated fighter in Ray Robinson and had a draw with him. In his 10th pro fight, not a big deal, all right? He can, he can bounce back. Or I, I shouldn't even use the word bounce back. He can learn from this. He should learn from this in developing it better as a fighter. So fights like that are good for prospects. I saw some tweets and stuff saying Josh Kelly got exposed Saturday. That's absolutely ridiculous. It was a tough fight for a prospect. That's how you build a prospect into a contender. That's how it's supposed to work. So I thought that was good matchmaking. Anyway, uh, Callum Smith, I talked about him a few minutes ago. TKO3 win over Hassam Indom. Not really surprised that he dropped and stopped Indom like this. It, it's the way he did it. I thought maybe this would take six, seven, eight rounds. I thought possibly Ndam could get... We've seen him get knocked down four or five times and last the distance against very good fighters. But Smith blasted him out of there in three rounds. Very impressive win, although we have to not get too excited. Ndam is really a middleweight. I think he started as a junior middleweight. Old, been in a lot of wars, taking a lot of punishment. This was a very young, big guy beating up a very old little guy. That's what this fight was. Still, for Callum Smith, I think he has solidified himself clearly as the top super middleweight in the world. I don't want to hear about no damn Gilberto Ramirez or Benavidez or anybody else. Right now, it's Callum Smith and then everybody else. Okay, Katie Taylor wins a majority decision over Delphine Pearson. And by the way, I still haven't figured out how her name is pronounced. Guys, if I'm saying it, uh, if I'm saying it incorrectly, please, please, please. Uh, correct me. Under the hand wraps is on here. What's up, Albert? Appreciate you tuning in, brother. Appreciate that, man. I'm so glad when you guys watch. Uh, we got guys from the East Coast, West Coast. We got guys from Europe, Asia, all over the world tuning in. I love it. You guys, Albert Baker, if you haven't checked out behind the hand wraps of what they do, awesome video content. Make sure you check them out on YouTube and everywhere else. Awesome video content. But Katie Taylor, Delphine Pearson. I took so much shit last week when I tweeted that this was going to be the female, the biggest female fight of the year. Of course, some of the, uh, what do they call them, white knights got involved and, and got Clarissa Shields' attention to my tweet. So then she had to respond to me and I had a little back and forth with her. And to her credit, she was pretty cool. We were both cool about things. Nobody yelled at each other. But I defended my position. I told her, okay, maybe it's 1A and 1B. But I still feel that Taylor Pearson is 1A or 1, and uh, Shields Hammer is 1B or 2, however you want to look at it. And what I was proven right. And now all the heroes, 
that were bashing me on Twitter last week and saying all these nasty things and saying Shields Hammer was a much better fight, blah, blah, blah. Where the hell are you guys now? Poof, you're gone. It's like you disappeared. It's magic. Magic every time this happens. We saw Delphine Pearson, who I told you guys was among the top 10 best female fighters on planet Earth, far more proven than Christina Hammer ever was. Christina Hammer was a mirage. And what did we see? We saw her possibly do enough to defeat Katie Taylor and get robbed on the scorecards. Now, a lot of people out there that I know and trust thought that this fight was a draw. Okay, A lot of people on both sides of the pond that I respect their scorecards had this fight a draw. But there are several other people that I respect who had it 96-94 for the Belgian fighter Pearson. I don't know anybody that thought Taylor did enough to win. So to Katie Taylor's credit, she wants an immediate rematch. She told Eddie Hearn, look, Eddie Hearn admitted that he, he apparently told Katie Taylor, look, I had it a draw. Eddie Hearn, her own promoter, had it a draw. So she said she wants an immediate rematch to, uh, to get rid of any doubt. And I think they should do it. And again, I will go back to the zone. They got the biggest sports upset of the year with Ruiz and AJ, right? And tons, millions of dollars of free advertising on CNN, Fox News, uh, NBC, ABC, ESPN, SportsCenter, and all those other shows that they do with Max Kellerman and that Stephen A. Smith idiot who I had to blast on Twitter. I, I had to blast that dude. Just, just makes himself look like a moron every time he talks about boxing. But anyway, they got that. And then they got the best female fight of the year. This fight, what we got between Taylor and Pearson, is what we were promised we were going to get between Shields and Hammer. What we got with Shields and Hammer was a really good fighter beating up an average fighter that was overhyped. That's what we got. And because Shields doesn't punch very hard, she couldn't get Hammer out of there. She tried to, and Hammer held tough, almost got her out of there, but probably should have. But pound for pound, what we saw between Taylor and Pearson is just a better fight. Just higher level fighting. And guess what? I want to see it again. And I know a lot of you guys do. And that's going to help build female boxing even more. And I'm not saying all this to put down Clarissa Shields and Christina Hammer. I will say this. They did a hell of a better job promoting their fight than Taylor and Pearson did. Katie Taylor has an attitude like uh, Terrence Crawford. She just shows up and fights. She leaves it up to the promoter to do the promotion side, right? She's not going to promote her fights. Clarissa Shields can promote the hell out of her fight. She did a great job. And so did Christina Hammer. Those ladies did a great job promoting their fight. Taylor Pearson did not. But their fight, seen by more people live, seen by a bigger global audience, way better fight, and a controversial result that demands an immediate rematch that more people will watch. So guess what? Once again, I was proven right. And all you assholes on Twitter disappeared. Okay. <laughs> Main event. Holy shit. Huge upset. Andy Ruiz, KO7 win over Anthony Joshua, wins the IBF, WBA, WBO heavyweight titles. Ruiz was down in the third round. AJ was down twice in the third and twice in the seventh before the ref called it off. Some people thought the stoppage was controversial. I did not. If you watch the replay, the ref was asked, giving AJ uh, commands. And he was giving him verbal cues to respond to and physical cues to respond to. 
AJ responded verbally. I think he said, yeah, I want to fight on something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing. He verbally responded, but physically was not responding. He was moving backward. He was wobbly. Physically could not respond to the referee's demands. So you have a guy who's verbally responding, but physically cannot. That tells the ref, and they're trained to know this stuff. They talk to neurologists. I still can't say that word. Uh, That tells the ref that the brain and the body are not talking to each other. They're not working in unison. Stop the damn fight. I heard one of you guys on Twitter say that this was the same ref that refed Adonis Stevenson's uh, tragic the fight that ended tragically against Alexander Vozdik. And if that's true, I didn't check into that, but I saw a couple of you guys say that. If that's true, then it explains why he stopped the damn fight. The Kism just said good stoppage. I agree with you, man. That's a, it was a good stoppage, guys. There was nothing controversial about it. The fight was over. So anyway, power punches. I thought this was interesting. Andy Ruiz, 39 of 119. Not, a, not necessarily that accurate, 25%. He was throwing punches from crazy-ass angles, but he threw more and landed more. 39 of 119, and AJ was 23 of 72. So you got one guy throwing more, landing more. They're both pretty much the same accuracy, but one guy's punches mattered a lot more. AJ did not quit. I want to I make this clear. I, I am not going to sit here and say that Anthony Joshua quit in this fight. And I tweeted about this too. And some of you guys on Twitter gave me some shit, but I think most of you agreed. I had some tweets this weekend go viral that had thousands of likes and retweets. I did not expect that. But especially my tweet bashing Stephen A. Smith. And really, I was only telling the damn truth about him. But uh, several went viral. So a lot of you guys, you know, some of you guys always hate me and disagree. But a lot of you agreed with my assessment on this. Anthony Joshua was concussed. He was hurt. His body and mind were not, his body and brain were not working in unison. Again, he can respond verbally to the ref's demands, but not physically, okay? To say he quit, that's bullshit. You don't get dropped four times in a fight and get up four times and quit. That's ridiculous, okay? And I think a lot of the people saying that are sofa tough guys, internet tough guys who've probably never put on some headgear, put on some gloves, threw on the mouthpiece and got in the ring and sparred. Because if you have sparred, you know how it feels to get hurt and what it takes to rebound and recover from that. Just to get up off the canvas. If, if you've gotten, if you're tired and you and another dude get tangled up and you fall down because both your legs are a little shot, just getting up after, you know, maybe six, seven, eight rounds of sparring, that's hard, man. This dude got up four times, okay? So Alexander says his corner should have stopped it. You know what? That's a pretty good comment too. AJ's corner could have stopped it to save him the embarrassment. But I thought the ref did the right thing. I do not think AJ quit. And so I talked, look, I had a radio spot that I did on SB Nation uh, radio last night on the Dave Smith show. Uh, I love Dave. He brings me on all the time on his show and we always have good chats. So make sure you guys check that out. Also had an immediate reaction video. Some of the things I said in that video, I've rethought over the last 48 hours. and I've smoothed out my opinions. But for the most part, guys, go back and watch those videos. And then here we are today, Monday night. Um, I, I just feel that this isn't necessarily the end for Anthony Joshua. It might be. This might be it. 
We might find out that he's just not as good as we thought he was, or many people thought he was. But the people calling him the next Frank Bruno, guys, he's already accomplished more than Frank Bruno ever did. He accomplished more than Frank Bruno ever did when he beat Vladimir Klitschko. But even before that, so you can't call him the next uh, Frank Bruno. I, I just You can't call him... Uh, just, I've heard so many different names comparing this guy to people like that. It's really unfair. And the age that we live in with social media, the 24-hour news cycle, everything gets exaggerated in sports. It's not just boxing. It's all sports, all news media, cable news. Everything gets exaggerated. When Deontay Wilder knocked out Dominic Brazil a couple weeks ago, there were people saying that was, you know, the best right hand in heavyweight history. The best knockout they've seen in 25 years. Just shit like that. It's, it's so ridiculous. It, we've, we've seen better knockouts in a pound-for-pound pound sense within the last 12 months than Wilder Brazil, right? So, so people just always fly off the handle and exaggerate things. Shit will calm down. Uh, with this AJ thing, I don't think he's over. I think that, here, here's my assessment of actually how he fought. He fought stupid. Not only did he stand in front of Ruiz like a statue, his zero head movement, he gave up his distance, he gave up his range, his height, his length. Every single physical gift or physical advantage that he had over Ruiz, once he hurt him in the third round with a great left hook, he just gave all those things up and started lunging in with his chin up in the air. Fundamentals flew out the window. And I understand he got clipped with a shot on the temple. It took his equilibrium. He just could not recover. It just seemed his legs never quite got back. I think also mentally and emotionally, he started to freak out. I think he started to panic and think about the Klitschko fight a little bit. Like, holy shit, this is happening again. Oh my God, this guy isn't 40 years old and taking his time. He's on my ass. This guy's throwing punches from every damn angle. It's not just jabs and right hands. Holy shit. And I think it was a combination of things. But I really feel that if he fought smart in the rematch and just stuck behind a jab and jabbed Ruiz's head off all night, he could make the fight pretty easy for himself. CJ Duncan says armchair champs. Exactly, brother. Exactly. Armchair champs. I love that. It sounds like the name of a shitty rock band or something. I'm sure out there there's some garage band named Armchair Champs. Uh, but, dude, he can come back from this and he can make the rematch easy. But he needs to get the hell out of his current camp Apparently, he was training in Miami for this fight. Uh, my boys, uh, Kenny Keith and Vince Cummings over at the Boxing Rant, uh, that podcast, I listened to that this morning. And they were talking about uh, Anthony Joshua's Instagram account, his social media accounts, that it looks like an Instagram model. It looks like one of these chicks that like, works out and does close-ups of her, you know, her tits and her ass while she's you know, doing squats and shit. Because, you know, it's about showing proper form. It's not about showing the curvature of her ass to get sponsors. Of course not. But uh, that is how AJ's shit looked. And <laughs> who just said Joe Sixpack the band? Johnny Boy said Joe Sixpack the band. All right, that's the comment of the night. Johnny Boy wins it. <laughs> that was awesome, dude. You hit me off guard with that. Okay, I just lost my train of thought. That was hilarious. Uh, Yes, so I looked at AJ's uh, Instagram profile, and it really does look like 
an Instagram model. It's pictures of him with a shirt off, smiling, trying to look sexy for the ladies. You know what I'm saying? Uh, wearing a suit and looking all fresh. Or, you know, traveling to Dubai, hitting mitts on the roof of a, a mountain somewhere. You know, I, I don't know. It does not look like a diehard, grimy, boxing fighter's fight account. You know, I look at other fighters' Instagram, and they're in a dimly lit, dark, sweaty, shitty-looking gym. And I'm like, yeah, I know what that shit's about. That's my favorite place to work out. That's what I see. Now, you'll see pictures of dudes with their car. Yeah, here's, here's, the, new, here's the new Maserati I bought. You'll see that shit. Here's a picture of my, my, my baby mama. You know, you'll see that shit. But you'll see, when they're training, there's not a picture of them with their shirt off looking like a god looking like Thor, okay? There's pictures of them in a grimy-ass gym somewhere that's dimly lit, training where they've trained their whole life, right? Those are the guys staying hungry. It sounds cliche and corny as shit, but you go back to Rocky Three, the whole eye of the tiger thing. There was a lot of truth to that, man. A lot of truth to that. So does AJ want to be a fighter or does he want to be an Instagram model? We'll find out. One thing's for sure. This, we know this about him now, okay? And it's very much a comparison to Vladimir Klitschko. AJ is an athlete first, a fighter second. We, that can't deny it anymore. The way he responds, the way that he trains and reacts to things. Andy Ruiz is a fighter. He's not, a, I wouldn't even call Andy Ruiz an athlete at all. He's just a fighter. A fighter will beat an athlete if an athlete isn't fully prepared. An athlete has to be fully prepared, fully focused, and fight a great, smart, intelligent game plan or the fighter is going to beat him. Vladimir Klitschko learned that a few times early in his career. He made adjustments and he owned the division for a year. There are still people out there to bash the shit out of the guy. I don't understand. Seeing where Anthony Joshua is today and what he just went through should make you appreciate guys like Vladimir Klitschko and Lennox Lewis and others who have been able to rebound from that and turn themselves into Hall of Famers. It should make your, your respect for them triple instantly. If you don't respect Vladimir Klitschko now after seeing what AJ's going through, dude, guys, Klitschko was this low. He was lower than where AJ is right now. And he came back to own the division for a decade. That's impressive Shit, that is like, I don't want to say unprecedented. It wasn't unprecedented, but the manner in which he did it, considering the global scale of boxing and the sanctioning organizations and the politics and him promoting himself and being non-American and all those things, the demographics involved, kind of was unprecedented. Should make you respect him that much more. So AJ should never lift a weight again. Should never. I don't get, oh, I'm just going to work out in between camps. Nah, bro. Put down the weights. It's so funny talking about the Klitschko's, especially Vitaly. People used to say that they're, they're so robotic, right? They're so stiff and robotic. Anytime it's a European guy, he's so stiff and robotic. Look at Anthony Joshua. Is he not stiff and robotic? Look at Joe Joyce. How much more stiff and robotic can you get? Why don't we call them stiff and robotic? It's almost as if there's a double standard somewhere. I don't know. Just saying. AJ needs to put down the weights. He needs to learn to tie up. Yes, I see the comment there, learn to tie up. Vladimir did that. Lennox Lewis did that. It made their fights boring, but guess what? It made them Hall of Famers. So if AJ learns how to tie up, maybe he could do the same. 
never lift a damn weight again in his life, get out of the weight room, get into the pool, swim, cut down, lose 10 pounds of that muscle, loosen up your tendons, your joints, get more fluid, move your freaking head, get some rhythm. Anthony Joshua has no rhythm. I thought this guy's ancestry is from Nigeria. I thought people from from that part of Africa are supposed to have rhythm. Where's the rhythm, bro? You have the rhythm of a corpse. He needs to learn how to dance. He needs to learn how to move his feet. He needs to learn how to move his hips. I feel bad for his girlfriend because he's probably not that good in bed. Dude, move your damn hips. Come on, enjoy it, brother. You know what I'm saying? Move. He needs to learn to loosen up and move a little bit. Fight with rhythm. Fight with the right spacing, distance, timing, all those things. And he can sort this shit out. Yeah, I know. I know, guys. Yeah, I'm looking at the comments here. I stepped in it a little bit today. Sorry. sorry. Yeah, Fratero says, this is getting weird. Okay, we're going to pull it back. We're going to pull it back. We're going to get to some questions. All right. Let's see. Uh, man, what questions here? Well, okay. American Boxing Fan says, preach Montero. Johnny Boy says, hips don't lie. All right, so some of you guys understand where I'm going with this. Punch for Pound says, Smith is 100% unproven. Are you talking about Callum Smith, 100% unproven? I don't know about that, bro. World Boxing Super Series winner. I'm not saying that was a stacked tournament for the super middleweights, but he did pretty damn good. I think uh, he's still probably the most proven super middleweight out there right now. Survive says Shakira needs to teach AJ to move his hips. I concur. He needs to take some salsa classes, some samba classes, something. Okay, he needs to learn how to move his hips. He needs to do some tango. He needs to move and dance and just loosen up, man. He's so stiff. That works in a bodybuilding weightlifting competition. It don't work in boxing. Tim Nix says Joshua has mental issues. Joshua worked with a psychologist for the first time in his career before the Ruiz fight. Go into the details. I haven't heard about that. But if he is working with a sports psychologist, I think that's a good thing. Okay, I think more fighters and athletes should do that. Guys, imagine how old is AJ? He's not even 30. And he's the most famous sportsman in the UK. He's got all this pressure. All, all these big things are expected of him. It's a lot to handle. So if he's talking to a psychologist, good for him. I don't think that means he has mental issues. I think it means he's smart. More of these guys should do that. Rockstar1996 says, it's funny some of the better heavyweight prospects are cruisers. Gassiev, Hunter, Usyk. But seriously, I'm liking Ergovich now. Yeah, there's some truth to that. You know what the thing is about all those guys you mentioned? Maybe not Gassiev, but Hunter, Usyk. They're, they're loose. They move. They box. That shit matters, man. Okay. Uh, John Yen says, Eddie Hearn will be desperate to get those three heavyweight titles back to DAZN since he just signed 10 heavyweights. Gassiev, Hunter, Usyk. Yeah, you know, of course. I mean, if you were representing Anthony Joshua, wouldn't you be desperate to get his titles back? I mean, that's anybody, man. Um, I, I, I definitely think they want to get those titles back, but, you know, they, they can't... They can't just jump into it thinking, ah, this time we'll just, you know, uh, be in better shape. No, you got to make serious changes in camp. You got to make some different preparations. And look, Ruiz was a last second replacement. The odds were 11 to 1. I think it's pretty obvious that AJ took the fight a little lightly, came in 
All he was talking about all fight week was Deontay Wilder. That's all he talked about all during fight week was Deontay Wilder, right? Clearly he wasn't paying attention to Ruiz. Well, guess what? Ruiz got his damn attention now. JM Superstar says, uh, Carl Frotch saw a sports psychologist after the first Groves fight knocked Groves out in the second fight in front of 80,000 people. Yes, I saw that one. It was amazing. There's nothing wrong with talking to a professional about this kind of stuff, guys. In fact, I, I wish more, especially boxers, should do it. Absolutely. Tim Nick says, Montero, yeah, it was reported the first time for Joshua working with a psychologist. And then he lost to Ruiz. Doesn't look good. Johnny Boy says Ruiz whips him in the rematch. I don't know. I, I don't know about any of that. We will find out. Let's be patient. Let's see how it plays out, guys. All right. Fight preview for this week. This Friday, June 7th, Zab Judah and James McGirt Jr., Buddy McGirt's kid, fighting on a card in Verona, New York. I thought that was interesting. Zab Judah, isn't he like a nurse now? He's still fighting? Interesting. Saturday, June 8th, we've got two cards. The one on ESPN, it's okay. It's not that, neither of these cards are great, but I think zone has the much better card. Anyway, on ESPN, Oscar Valdez versus Jason Sanchez. For those of you who don't know Sanchez, he's 14-0 out of Albuquerque. Uh, he's a pro fighter. I think he has two brothers who are also pro fighters trained by their dad. But if you look at Sanchez's resume, he's fought nobody. So he's making a quantum leap in opposition for Oscar Valdez. This is the sixth defense of his WBO featherweight title. Also on this card, um, Brazilian prospect Robson Contecao, Gabriel Flores Jr., and some other prospects. So uh, just prospects staying busy on both these cards this weekend. Back to Madison Square Garden. Triple G Promotions on the zone. Gennady Golovkin versus Steve Rolls in the main event. A lot of people don't know Steve Rolls. I don't know much about him. I've looked into it. I've watched some of his fights. 19-0 out of Toronto. Former Canadian national champ as an amateur. So he does have some amateur pedigree. Although it was not on the world scale. It was in the... Uh, regional national scale so that tells you look it's better than nothing clearly but when you don't see a guy compete on the global scale you know yeah yeah jm superstar says triple g by devastation look guys i know that like on the surface this looks like a second or third round knockout and that may very well happen but don't be surprised if Gennady Golovkin wants to get some rounds in, this was a long layoff, one of the longest, if not the longest, layoff of his career since that second fight with Canelo Alvarez last, what, September? So it's nine months, almost a year. And don't be surprised if he plays with his food a little bit. And it takes five, six rounds of him chopping this guy down. He also doesn't want to be stupid. Madison Square Garden, the scene of the crime, just, you know, just a few days ago, one of the biggest upsets we've seen in the last decade or so happened there. So Gennady, you know, wants to take his time and set up the knockout. But obviously, yes, I like Triple G to eventually wear down and stop Steve Rolls. It might kind of look like his fight against another Canadian, David Lemieux. Lemieux, much better, much more proven, at least, than Steve Rolls. But I do think people, call, look, maybe I'll look stupid, but people saying that this is going to be a second round knockout or it's going to look like the Wilder Brazil fight, I, I just don't think so. Johnny Boy says Triple G KO6. That's pretty much how I see it. I think that's when the fight really starts to change is those middle rounds. 
sixth, seventh, maybe eighth round, somewhere in there. Triple G chops him down, gets him out of there, gets some work in, uh, some some footage that him and John Jonathan Banks can look at later and build upon, right? His new trainer. So I think that would be the smart play for Triple G. However, that upset we saw last week, that's the best thing that could have happened for Triple G promotions because he's thinking, man, now all we got to tell people is, see, anything can happen. Just a few days ago here at MSG, we saw this huge upset. So you better watch my fight with Steve Rolls because maybe he can pull the upset. So, you know, from a marketing perspective, that helps them out a little bit. Also on this card, a lot of prospects. I talked about this at the opening of the show. Uh, Brian Chibalo, or maybe Sabayo, because yeah, I'm thinking that's probably Spanish. Brian Sabayo, uh, 8-0 out of New York, 25 years old, U.S. national champ, going up against Kazakh-born Bakhtiar Iubov, who is 14-0 himself and an eight-rounder. These guys are welterweight. So both of these guys undefeated. Someone's O is going to go. I love it. I love it when two undefeated prospects are willing to put their O on the line and fight each other. So that's good stuff. Also, Israel Madrimov, 2-0. Super middleweight out of Uzbekistan. Looks like the goods. A spicy meatball. I'm definitely going to be watching that guy, and we'll talk about his fight. Probably won't last long, though. Also, uh, 9-0 junior middleweight out of Cleveland, Charles Conwell on the card. And Ali Akhmadov, 14-0, Kazakhstan native. He also is a super middleweight. So I think he's had some fights at light heavyweight too, but they're trying to settle him in as a super middleweight. So uh, that is what's going on this weekend, guys. Not a whole lot, but um, it's going to be fun. So make sure you tune in, all right? Also, you guys, um, oh, you guys, you're talking about what, let's see. American Boxing says Montero Nathan Gorman will do the same thing to Daniel Dubois as Ruiz did to Joshua. We shall see. You know, it'll be interesting. But I think that Daniel Dubois is going to move his head a little bit and fight smart. But we'll see. Uh, that would be that would be a minor upset because I think the odds have Dubois beating Gorman. Punch for Pound says Marco Huck will be would be fun to watch at heavyweight too. Thing with him is he's just old, bro. He's just old. Silvio Siocan says Mike, when do we get to see the house? Still working on it, man. I, I got doors and floors. Um, we're getting things together. I'm building pantry doors. I'm starting to really become a a carpenter. And uh, Tiffany's like, I want this and I want this. So. Sometimes it's just easier for me to build the stuff she's asking for than pay some other dude thousands of dollars I don't have to do it. So I'm stuck with like a bunch of different projects, a bunch of different things I'm building right now. I still got to finish building my bar. I got to finish building her pantry door, all this other stuff. I built her a pantry. I just got to build a door now. And then, uh, of course, I got to build the studio. I know how I'm going to build my studio out, though. It's going to be so dope. I can't wait. The biggest thing I got to do in my studio is soundproof it. Right now, you guys probably hear a little bit of an echo, right? Because um, there's no carpet in this room. There's no sound pads, anything like that. When I get the studio hooked up, I'm going to have soundproofing. Even in the ceiling, I'm going to have soundproofing. Carpet on the floor in the studio. It's going to be airtight. You're going to hear no echo. Audio quality is going to be amazing. Full light kit. Everything set up beautifully. It's going to look and sound freaking amazing guys it's just i've got a checklist this long of things i still have to finish uh 
LR Chigger says Danny Dubois is a big stiff. I don't, guys, Danny Dubois is what, 2021? 20, He's still developing. <laughs> Sebastian says, if the bar's not ready, we're not coming. Hey, man, you don't have to have a bar to have alcohol. Trust me. <laughs> Canada Chris asking about the ring girls. You know, no ring girls for this fight party. Maybe in the future. I got to talk to Tiff about that. Uh, let's see. All right, guys, maybe a couple more questions, and then uh, we're going to bounce out of here, kind of flying through this episode, man. The last few episodes, I know they've gone long. I want to let you guys know, I think I've mentioned this before, but we're going to start splitting the show up. And Monday is going to be a review show, talking about what we saw over the weekend. Thursday will be a preview show, previewing the fights coming up. So that way the shows will be a little shorter maybe 45 minutes or so instead of going an hour, hour and a half. Now, once I add the call-in feature and you guys can call and I'll have guests calling in, well, then maybe some of the episodes will continue to go a little bit long. But that's what we want to do. We want to break it up into a review and preview segment. Because I'm traveling over the next couple of weeks, we'll probably wait a couple of weeks to do it. But by the end of this month, that is going to be the setup for TNC. I see Gail Falkenthal's on here. What's up, Gail? All right. Punch for Pound is asking about Usyk and Beevil, their next opponents. Uh, I don't know. I do not know. Uh, Dimitri Beevil, I don't know if... I know he was talking about going down to super middleweight. Not sure if he's doing that or not. I know he desperately wants to unify titles at 175. He's told me that more than once, per, just you know, in personal conversations. I know that's what he wants. But um, I just don't think politically it can happen. So I think the best thing he could do is move down to 168. For Usyk, he's just got to get healed up. And then um, I, I thought his fight that he had scheduled is still on. It just got postponed. But correct me if I'm wrong on that. Punch for Pound asks, what's the deal with Kovalev versus Yard and Wojtek? I don't know what the hell is going on with Kovalev versus Yard. I don't know if it's related, the delays are related to his political or political legal situation. Because you remember there was all that stuff going on with that chick that accused him of this, that, the other. I don't know if they're trying to get all that legal stuff worked out behind the scenes. You got to remember Grandpa Bob at top rank has a legal background and a lot of the people there do. So maybe they're trying to get some stuff worked out under the radar and then they'll get that fight negotiated, signed, sealed, delivered. As far as I understood it, it was going to be Kovalev Yard fighting in Russia later this year. Oh, here, Gail's on here. Gail says, guys, Gail knows what's up because uh, she works with Top Rank. The, the Kovalev Yard fight is off for the scheduled June 29 date in Russia due to financial reasons, but they haven't been explained. So there you go. Um, that... That sounds fishy to me, financial reasons. That just doesn't sound believable. It makes me think that they're finding some way to delay that fight for whatever reason. And again, I will go back to Sergey's legal issues. I don't know if that has something to do with it. But, um, oh, chat just froze up. Let me make sure I got you guys. Okay. Gail says, for the record, I'm not on anyone's payroll at the moment. Okay. Well, guys, Gail... Uh, comes from a PR background and she was doing some work with top rank in recent fights. I should clarify that. Thank you for correcting me there, Gail. 
but also thank you for the inside scoop. That's what we do here on TNC, guys. Um, you should be, Gail. You should be on the payroll. Gail knows her shit. Gail, I see so many girls, I'm sorry, women, getting jobs in boxing that they don't deserve for whatever reason or another. And I think to myself, Gail Falkenfeld should have that damn job. She would crush this shit. So much better than Chick X, let me just say. But, you know, it's all about who you know, I suppose. Uh, okay. Maybe one more question, guys, and then I'm out of here. I don't see... Uh, let me update this one more time. While I'm waiting for one more question, I just want to reiterate. Ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Joshua, one loss. He can rebound from this. It is what it is. It happens in boxing. We've seen it a million times. It lets all end the night with a Snickers bar, says Gail Falkenthal. Hell yeah. Look, Snickers tweeted at Andy Ruiz. Andy Ruiz tweeted back at them. Guys, I think it would be amazing if Snickers did an ad with Andy Ruiz. I think it'd be genius on their part. From a demographics perspective, it would make so much sense. Think about this. Andy Ruiz is from the L.A. area. L.A. area is very health conscious. Most people in L.A. don't eat Snickers bars, and all of Southern California for that matter. But if Andy Ruiz, a local guy, was hawking Snickers on a fun ad on TV, holy shit, Snickers sales in Southern California would go up. And if the cool kids in SoCal are doing it, everyone's going to do it. MJB Taco says, I love Snickers bars. I do too, man. Snickers are good. But you know what? I've been trying to be better about that kind of shit. I haven't had a Snickers bar and I can't tell you how long. But I might go have to have one for the week of my 40th birthday just to celebrate my 40th and to give myself a break, but also to celebrate for Andy Ruiz. Hawker Mustang says, he, I like Andy Ruiz. How can you not? It's hard not to like Andy Ruiz. The fight scout says diabetes wins this one. Ouch. That's cold, bro. MGB Taco says he's going to send me a, a Snickers. I appreciate it, bro. Overnight it. Because you know, if, if you send it regular mail and it takes 10 days to get here, it might be pretty smashed up. But one of these jerk-off meth heads, mailmen here, might eat it before I get it. So maybe overnight that shit if you're going to do it. Uh, okay. All right, guys. Uh, that's it for this week, man. Thank you so much for everybody in the chat. Guys, I love watching your back and forth here in the chat. I love that you guys are able to joke with each other and have fun while I'm doing my show. I feel like that's so cool. I feel like we're building a community here from all over the world and we're connected through boxing. It's just too damn cool. So TNC 174 in the books, Triple G, Steve Rolls Fight Party this Saturday, uh, the 8th, June 8th. And then next Thursday, June 13th is my birthday. I will be in the D in Detroit. And uh, maybe I'll do a live video or something from up there and just say hi to you guys. You can see me uh, drinking with my friends and family up there and having some fun. That's it for this week, guys. Thank you so much for watching. I love you guys. And I'll see you at the fights.